Good morning, Mercy Hill. I am not pa- 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 Pastor Mike, and I can't say his name. Some of you are right now think- thinking, what have we come into this morning? You know, it's an interesting thing. If you don't know, I do, I do stutter, and if you're a first-time guest, you've never heard me speak before, don't freak out. It's, your ears aren't the issue. It's my mouth. It's not your ears. Um, uh, I have youth, uh, I teach the youth here, I do administration as well here at the church, and I teach every week in the Edge, and we have uh, many uh, youth that are coming to the Edge, uh, a lot of guests come, and I uh, immediately can tell in the Edge when, when a guest is there, and the friend that brought them has not informed them that I stutter, because I start speaking and I get caught on a word, and immediately there's this. And then there's this. And it it's happens every week. And I want to call them out on it. Hey, what are you looking at? Hey, what, what's so funny? Yeah, I want to call them out a little bit. Because, you know, it's just sort of who I am. I think and once they look around and they see no one else is freaking out about it, they're okay. Usually only 5% run out screaming. Uh, the rest of them tend to stay there. So I, I hope you, you stay through the message this morning. Um. Pastor Mike asked me a few, 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 few weeks ago to uh, to preach, and uh, I knew it was going to fall on on Mother, Mother's Day. He said, "Hey, Dan, I want you to preach. I know you're 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 getting to teach a lot in the Edge, and I just want you to take something that you've been teaching in the Edge and br- br- bring that to the church." And um, I said, "Mike, I, 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 I'll be glad to do it, but I don't really have a Mother's Day sermon where we've been at. It just doesn't really fit." And he said, "That that's okay." I just want you to bring a word of God to the church that morning. So it's his fault where we're going today. Okay? Not my fault. It's his fault. I cast the blame on, on him. Um, we've been in a series in the youth on, on purity for the past four weeks. Don't worry, we're not going to go there this morning. Uh, uh, but let me encourage you. Uh, parents, or even if, you, if you've got kids that aren't quite youth age yet... I, we put even the Edge, the youth podcast, on the app and online, uh, not because the speaker is fluent and really smooth, uh, but because we believe in the content of what is taught here. And I want you parents to be equipped to have conversations with your kids about things that are important that could be hard conversations to have, and you don't know how to start. Great way to start. Hey, I heard Pastor pa- Dan preached on what it means to be pure this past week in the edge. What, what does that mean to you? So I want to give you a chance. You parents have got to have, you've got to speak that into your kids. I can speak every week for the rest of my life to your kids, and they will get only this much, but if you begin to speak and live it out before them, they will get so much more. So parents, take that resource and please use it. That's not a part of my notes. That's just a shameless plug right there. Um, so the text we're going to be in is, it, we, y'all, y'all heard it read, and probably as it was read, I believe some of you were like, okay, uh, uh, sin and death, this is going to be good. Um, and I'll tell you, when I was preaching this, and we're going through the book of jo- Joshua with the youth, and I, um, I, I came to this text about six weeks ago as in chapter 7, and when I began to read it, a message that I had heard 10 years ago came flooding back to me that when I heard it was preached by, by David Platt and, and it 
transformed a lot of the way that I began to live my life because of that message. I don't know if you've ever had just some moments where something's, it's a podcast or it's been live and someone's preached something and you are going this way and some truth began to click and all of a sudden you began to live this way and your walk took a step up from where it had, had been. And for me, when I read this, this text, I had not heard it preached in 10 years, but his points and, and where it all went came flooding back to me. And I went, oh, this is good. So I, I will tell you um, what I'm going to teach you. Uh, part of it is, is pulled from that sermon just because it became a part of who, who I am. Uh, so, so some like a, a point or two of what I'm going to bring out is from David Platt. I'll, I'm going to even quote him at a point here in the sermon. So I want to give him credit where it's due. I'm not trying to steal a message, but I believe there's a great one here for us today. So are you with me this morning, church? Okay. You said you were with me. Uh, four years ago, uh, we had an event in our household that changed things for us. It was a, uh, a Wednesday night. I'd come home from the edge, taught that night, gone to Chick-fil-A. A lot of us go out to eat there. Gone home, had my kids at the house. It was a see you at the pole day. I, I remember some things about the day. It was like September 25th of 2014. And everybody has gone to bed sort of in rank and, and order by age. They all peel off and get to bed. And Noah is up. He's my oldest son. He was probably 14 at the time. Um, and he, um, he's the last one. It's about 10.30. says, good night, Dad. I said, good night, bud. Just like we've done the past how many over years. And he, um, he, he goes on to bed. And I'm, I'm just wiped out, uh, just exhausted from the day. It's been a long day. And I'm in my chair in a room right beside his room, and, uh, and I am like turning the TV off about to, to hit it because I'm, I'm just wiped. And 15 minutes passed from when he went to bed, and I hear a noise come from his room. And uh, it sounds like the dog is having a dream. You've got a dog that does that, and so you've got to go wake him up. You know, it, it's sort of a, a sound. So I go thinking it's the dog is having a bad dream, and I walk in, and my... My oldest son is having a full-blown seizure, epileptic seizure is what we found out. Um, and I will, I, will end this, I will tell you the end of the story, of that part of the story right now, is that it, it, it seems like he is, it was juvenile epilepsy is what, is what it was called. That was the, the only night he'd ever had them. There were th- three of them that night, uh, and he's not had them since, and he's, he's been off meds for a year and a half, praise the Lord. And so it seems like we're past that. So I'll, I'll tell you that part of the story now. But when it occurred, I'd never had one of my own have a seizure before. I've worked with youth for 24 years, and I've dealt with a lot of weird, broken, nasty things with youth. But they weren't my kids, so it's just a little different. The way that you deal with it is different. And I knew what was going on, but I didn't know a couple things. One thing I, I, I knew, hold him so he doesn't hurt himself as he's swinging around, because his whole body was, 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 was going. I yell for my wife down the hall, Shell, come quick, I need your help now. And she popped up and she came running in, and it was a, it was a loud, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm holding him. It's going on for three minutes at this point, and it hasn't stopped. In my head, I'm thinking to myself, when he stops moving and he's not breathing, what will I do? Scariest moment of my life. 
But that's what I thought. I thought, okay, brace yourself. When this stops, what are you going to do? At three minutes, we call. I say, we got to call 911. We grab, grab the phone. I get the phone. I look at my iPhone 4 or 5, whatever it was at that time. I look at it, and I cannot figure out how to dial 911 to save my life. It was, I was just like, uh, I have to give the phone to my wife. She dials 911. She hands it back to me because, of course, you want the stuttering guy to talk to the 911 person because <laughs> that makes complete sense. Four minutes have passed. It's still going on. We, we, we get on. They're going to send someone right away. They're on their way there now. At five minutes, he stops moving, and his chest moves. Praise the Lord. I think at that moment, I can deal with this. I, I can deal with this. Within a couple of minutes, his body resets itself. He, he's awake. He knows something has gone wrong, and he's sort of even back to himself where he can sit up. He can talk fine. All that stuff has come. So, we, okay, things are looking good at this point. Pa- pa- paramedics pound at the door. They come in to his room. They're, they're loud. They're checking him. They're real nice. There's like six of them. They were great. Uh, they, uh, they're, they're, they're checking him out and going, hey, we can give him a ride with us or you can give him a ride. Then I'm like, I'd like to save money. I'll, I'll give him a ride. <laughs> but before they do, they go, hey, are you a Star Wars fan? Because we've got lightsaber, like adult-sized lightsabers that light up. And uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, look. And so I'm showing the lightsabers. My wife's just like, seriously? We're having an event here and you're, you're playing Star Wars with these, these, these pyramids? But they were really nice guys. And... Um, <laughs> And so, so they, 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 they leave. I go, no, let's go. We're going to go get in the car and, and go. And I haven't told this part of the story yet, but I've got two sons. Noah is uh, 17 now. Joe is 12. He was probably 8 at the time. And Noah sleeps on the bottom bunk, and Joe sleeps on the top bunk. And Joseph has been asleep the whole time. <laughs> the whole time, screaming. 911, seizure, bed shaking, paramedics, lightsaber stuff, <laughs> everything. He has been asleep the whole time. We get home around 3 a.m. to be checked out and all that stuff, and, and he wakes up like, what are y'all doing? <clears throat> there's, a, there's a guy named uh, Cornelius Plantinga who wrote a book basically on sin. And the the book is called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. That's what this book is called. Now, I've got a quote. I think we've got it on the screen. It says this, that awareness of sin, a deep awareness of disobedience and painful confession of sin used to be our shadow. Christians hated sin. They feared it. They fled from it. They grieved over it. Some of our forefathers agonized over their sins. A man who lost his temper might wonder if he could still go to Holy Communion or take of the Lord's Supper. That shadow has dimmed. Nowadays, the accusation that you have sinned is often said with a grin and a tone that signals an inside joke. At one time, this accusation still had the power to jolt people. We have such a sin problem in the society that we live in, and it's all around us, but we're walking around many times like we're asleep. There's an emergency going on 
and we don't even act like we see it or hear it. So in the text today, I want to look at a couple things about how sin works, because I think we understand some truths about sin, and we don't like to talk about sin, but there's a truth here in this text about sin that is true then and it's true now. And if we can grab and understand this concept, I think it's going to change the way that we begin to live our lives. See, we watch TV or movies and um, are around friends, and God's name is used in vain, and we don't really even flinch. But should, should we flinch? Should we be bothered by it? Well, they're lost. They don't know better. That's okay, but you're not. You should know better. We know God teaches to flee from sexual immorality. But man, it is so easy and everywhere in the society that we live in. Are we fighting against it or do we ride the current with it? We're, we're going to look, look at this text in Joshua chapter 7. You, you, are you, are y'all, y'all, y'all still here? Yeah, okay, because I know this is a heavy deal. Um, but, but just run with me here. Uh, the text goes from verse 1 to like verse far, verse 26. But we're not going to read it all because a stuttering guy who has to read that will take too long. But there's some parts we're going to j- jump at. Now, I want you to hear it. Look here in verse 1. But it says, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So they go to battle Ai. And they don't even take all their men. They just take a few of their men. And they go, man, we can take this. And they go to, to take it. And they are routed. They are, they are beaten bad. Thir, thir, 36 of their men are killed. Uh, and verses 6 through 15 Joshua goes to God and goes, God, how can you let this occur? What, 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 you're supposed to be with us. Why do we fail? The, the people there are going to think we are not very strong and they won't fear us. And because of that, they won't fear you, God. And then God says, hey, get, get, get off your face. And this is what he says. God, God says. God says, because you have sinned, you've taken, stolen, and lied, I won't go with you unless you fix it. That, that, that's the, the gist of what he says. He says, I won't go any further with you unless you deal with this sin. In verse uh, 16, he begins to deal with the sin. This is what occurs. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near, tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerites man by man, and Zabdi was, ta- was ta- taken. He brought near his household man by man, Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was, was take, taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord of, uh, God of Israel, and this is what I did. And I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with silver underneath. And he goes on to say that they go to his tent. They find those things. Verse 24, it says this, And Joshua and all 
Israel with him, took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had, and they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that valley is called the Valley of Achor. Let's pray and then we'll continue with this text. Dear God, I thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the, the chance to, to, to read your word and to understand your truth. And Lord, may we be uh, a people who, who seek you, who follow your word, and, and who shine uh, uh, bright in a world that needs to see you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Joshua chapter 1. Moses has died, and Joshua is, is, is called by God to, to be the one to lead the people. And the people see this, and they, they obey what God says. They go, okay, we will follow this man. They even say, hey, hey, if there's any man who doesn't follow the commands of Joshua, we will kill him. Now, that'd be a way to run a church, right? Hey, no, I'm kidding. We, we're not going to do that. But that is how devout they are in ob- obedience to God. In, in chapter 2, spies go into the land. They come back and say, hey, their hearts are melting in fear. God it wants us to take this land. In obedience, they say, hey, this time we're taking the land. Not like what occurred the last time when the spies went away. Obedience, we see in chapter three or four, they're going into the promised land. The Jordan River is at flood stage. There's 1.8 million people that have to cross from here to here on a flood stage river. You can't do it. God says, "I will make a way. Take the Ark of the Covenant, put it into the walk it into the middle of the river. I will make the land dry, and you will walk right over." The people follow every command that God says. In obedience. Chapter 5. He says, hey, I want to renew my covenant with you, that you are my people. So all men uh, 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 are, are to be circumcised. Men of age, where it'll be painful, where you're about to go to war, and he's saying, be circumcised now. That's not the best war plan. In obedience, great obedience, they follow what God says. Chapter 6, he says, I want you to take this city, but you're not going to run up against it this way. You're going to march around it for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. You're going to yell and blow, blow your horn, and the walls are going to come down. And in obedience, they do it. What do we see? Obedience, God working. Obedience, God working. Obedience, God working. Chapter 7, but the people of Israel broke faith disobedience. God's not working. I want us to understand this morning that sin is serious. God is is serious about sin. He's serious about us being holy, being set apart, being different. But that means I'm I'm not going to be like everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. 
We're called not to be like the world. We're called to be like the sun. So the first thing I want to point out, and we're going to jump a little bit around the text, is the cycle of sin. In verse 21, it says this, When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. The cycle of sin. I saw, I wanted, I took. I saw, I coveted, I took. That's how sin works. We see it, I want it, I take it. Eve, in the garden, God says, hey, this garden is all yours. Just do not take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She sees it. She wants it. She takes it. David, when all the kings are supposed to be at war, go off to war, David's not where he's supposed to be. He's at the palace, and he looks down from his palace on a rooftop. He sees Bathsheba bathing. He sees, he wants, he takes. And he doesn't just just take, take her. It leads into more and more sin because he saw, he wanted, he took. That's the way that sin works. Lust whether it's online or at the workplace or at the beach, we see, we want, we take. And sometimes you don't take it this way, you just take it in. That, that's one way that we sin. You understand that? You don't have to grab it to take it. You take it in and you just let it settle there. And our cult, culture, materialism is a problem. We see our neighbor has a nicer house, a nicer car, a bigger TV, I fall into that trap. Man, I just need a bigger TV. Life would just be better if I had a bigger TV. We see, we want, we take. Well, how do we take it? I didn't steal theirs, no, but you can't afford it, but you're just going into debt to get it. And then you go, man, God wants me to give. I know that to, to help, but I just don't have money because we're too much in debt. Well, because you, you, you saw, you wanted, you took. It's in so many things that we do. In, the, in this age, there's something new the past five to ten years um, with social media, that adults, we um, deal more, I believe, with, with drama than we ever have before. I mean, used to, you got through high school and college, and you just got past that stage, and you didn't really ever talk to those folks again, and that was okay. It worked out. You're like, but what if I miss them forever? You'll be fine. You'll, you'll be fine. But now something comes up, and we see, and man, we have a chance to say something, or, 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 or I heard they did this, and you know that when we talk about somebody else, the innate cause of why we do that is because we want to feel better about ourselves. If we push them down, we prop ourselves up. You go, oh, I don't do that when I talk about people. <laughs> you're just you're lying too now, right? So we, see, we, we see, we want, we, we take the cycle of sin. So understand, there is a, a, a cycle of sin that we, we jump into. There's also an effect of sin. Okay, the uh, effects of sin. In this, this account right here, it says 36 Israelites are killed because of one man's sin who wasn't a part of their group. He wasn't in their warring par- par- party. This is the only battle in the book of Joshua that we read that the Israelites lose. The only one where we even count of, 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 of who's killed. And it all happens because one guy takes something for himself. So how's the effects of sin? So 
So what are you saying? If you're a member, and I use that term sometimes loosely around here, or a, reg, reg, a regular attender here at Mercy Hill Church, if this is your church home, what you do, even on your own time, affects the, the body of Christ. Do we understand that truth? That the, the, the way the, the, if we are a part of the fellowship of Mercy Hill Church, and this is your church home, and this is where you grow, and this is how you're in in fellowship to, together, your sin doesn't just affect you; it affects those around you. That's why in First Corinthians five, a lot of folks have trouble with this. When Paul Paul says uh, he writes about church dis dis dis. Discipline and says, "Hey, if someone is 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 sinning, and they've been confronted on that sin, and they refuse to turn from that sin, and they're a member, they're part of the church, he says, cast them out of the church." And a lot of times we go, "Oh man, that's not love. That's like hate." And a lot of people go, "Oh, that's being hateful." But sometimes the most loving thing by far you can do with somebody is to discipline them. The most loving thing you can do to a friend is risk your friendship and speak truth into their life. That is, is, is some of the most loving thing that we can do. And, you know, they, they cast them out of the church not going, you're not good enough for us. It's saying that, 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 that Satan may have his way with them, and in doing so, that may turn them back to God and that they may be saved. That's why they're cast out. Why? So they'll repent and turn back to God. That, that's why all that works. David Platt said this in the message um, I heard so many years ago. He says, God will start to show the fullness of his presence when you start going into your tents and uncovering the sin that is there. You're missing out on the fullness of God's presence because you have grown casual with sin and you don't think it's a big deal. But the reality is you are jeopardizing the entire blessing of God on the entire people of God because of one sin. God is serious about holiness. Now, understand this concept, because we believe when I sin, everybody in this room would go, yeah, when I sin, I know, I believe, it affects me. I know when I sin, it's, it, it, it has an effect on me. And I will say it, it has an effect on someone I may sin against. So my sin affects me, and it affects who I sin against. But in the passage here, we see a sin doesn't affect just this area, it affects this area. Our house has tile flooring in the kitchen. In our tile floor, I, would, I, would, I will tell you, is the hardest tile floor in the world. If anything falls on our tile floor, we've been there for about nine years, anything hits it, it explodes. There's a chemical reaction going on, there's a magnetic field, I don't know what it is. You could throw a stuffed teddy bear on our tile floor and cotton will be dispersed throughout the house. Okay? It is that, that crazy. And in all truth, we have lost over half of our cups, half of our bowls, and half of our plates to the, the demon that is our tile floor. I don't know if y'all have a friend of that. But, but you know, we've learned some things. I know the sound when something explodes on our tile floor because I've heard it so many times. And a lot of times, the, we have, we're a household of seven, five kids, two adults, and so two or three people are in that space at any one time. And when it explodes, 
I pop up and I, I ask my kids last night, hey guys, what's the first thing that, I, that you ever hear me say when, it, when the tile, when I hear that sound? And it's, freeze! Right? Freeze! Because I don't want like the little kid going, whoa! And then, yeah! You know? And so, and then is anybody hurt? Okay, freeze, anybody hurt? And most of the time, they're not. So I'm, I'm getting on shoes because nobody has shoes on in their house. And if you do, that's a little bit weird. You need to take shoes off and relax. Uh, so so I, I, I put on shoes, and I walk around the kitchen, and I, I, I cart, whether I'm a wife or kid, and I'm carting them within 37 feet away from the initial explosion zone. Because I don't know about you, but when our stuff hits, it goes everywhere like it goes, it can go down three hallways and through a sealed door, and there's a shard of glass sitting right there for your foot to step on. It's amazing how far this stuff can bounce around. And not only that, but when it's not just the glass or the or, or the other or, or the ceramic plate, it's it's what's in it: the casserole, the milk, the salsa. It doesn't just plop; it splatters for miles. Everywhere we find it months later in this turn, and it tastes pretty good still. I'm kidding with that one sometimes. So, um, so, so, I mean, it gets everywhere. And can I tell you this? Sin does the same thing. We act like it only affects us, but it doesn't. It hits, and it doesn't go. It goes, and we have no idea most of the time the effect that it has. And a lot of the effect, oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Let me not jump. Sin well, uh, it affects those around us. It. it affects our faith, fam, 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 family, but it also affects our physical fam, family. In the story, verses 24 and 25, we see that, we see that he is brought and his, his kids and, and, and family are brought. It says that he is stoned and then they, they are stoned. Harsh passage, very hard to get around, sort of our, our, our head around it. But I want you to understand, as we un- unpack this part, they, um, Joshua would have known Deuteronomy chapter 24. And this is what it says there. Verse 16, it makes this clear. It says, fathers shall not be put to death because of their chil- 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 children. Nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. He, would, he, was, he was doing everything he could to live by the word of God. So we, knew, we know he understood this text. So what was going on here? The picture here is that Achan stole the devoted things, things that everybody knew you were not supposed to take from this battle. Do not take any of these things. And he stole it. And it says that he, he hid them buried in his tent. And what you've got to understand, in the time, it was a family tent. It wasn't like in the world today where you've got your house and everybody's got their own room and the kids are sleeping in this room, this room, and this room, and the parents have this room. And It's, it, it's a tent. Everybody sleeps in this tent. You're not going to hide anything from your family in the tent. They're going to know what's going on. So what the text is implying is that they have learned, he took it, they learned that he did, and they've gone along with it. So, parents, can I tell you, um, this 
should wake us up a little bit. And, and, and this is how. What we speak into our kids' lives can be very impact, impactful to them. But what we do, the way we live in our lives that they see is vital, is worth 20 times more than we ever, ever speak. We, we Hey, don't do this, don't do that. But how is the way that you talk? Is it the way, does it give God honor? Do I, do I, when God impress on me to give, do I give? Do I, what do I watch? Well, I'm allowed to watch this because I'm an adult, but you're not allowed to watch it. That's one of the scariest things that parents ever say to a kid because a kid goes, okay, good. One day I'll be old enough and I, I can watch that too. And then you're like, hey, why do you watch this filth? And they're like, well, you, you did. I was in the, um, about two weeks ago, I was uh, riding in the car, and, and young eyes are watching you. Young eyes are from, from 2 to 27. Okay, young eyes are watching you. Uh, and a lot of times, they're quiet, and we just forget that they're there. Gosh, I hate that. Amen? A- anybody? Okay. I'm riding in the car, and this is with my, my, my middle son. He's, tw- he's 12 now. Joseph's in the front seat now, thinking that's all a big deal and all that. I'm about to throw him in the very back, back of the car. I'll explain why in a second. Uh, we're riding around, going to soccer practice or something. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm driving fine, within a couple miles of speed limit. You know, I'm, I'm doing, doing, doing well. And um, he says to me, hey, Dad, why didn't, you, why didn't you use your blinker when you changed lanes? Well, well you little snot nosed punk. You know, that's... That, 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 First thing that I think, you know, and I went, oh, I, dad of the year, I think I lied, going, oh, I think I did. Yeah, I think I did. He said, nope, nope, you didn't use your blinker, like, twice. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, the, uh, what are you, your backhand? Or, you know, no, no, you're, but you're like, seriously, kid, you're 12, you know, that's what you, you think, so I'm, I'm an adult, don't tell them what to do. <clears throat> but, so we go on a ways a little bit. And I'm changing lanes. I realize I've not touched my blinker. And I'm like, my wheels are hitting the last bumps in the middle line, you know, as I'm coming over. So I go, bleep, bleep, you know, did it really quick. And he's like, hey, Dad. I mean, this watchdog, man, all over me. He says, hey, uh, you're a little late on that, right? I said, yeah, bud. Yeah, I was a little bit late. That's right. And gr- you are gr- grounded for the rest of your life. You know, I had a choice. You know, I told my wife the story last night. I was telling her what I was going to sort of share. And she goes, he's been saying that same thing to me. Some, some of you are going, you drive and you're going, what's a blinker? I mean, some of you are, seriously, um, it's something that we've just sort of like, acts like, oh, well, it's not really in use anymore. It's just one of those old things in cars you don't really, it's like your spleen or whatever. Um, uh, but the interesting you know, thing I had the choice where I could go, son, just shut your trap. Let daddy, daddy's driving you to soccer. I'm tired. I've been at work all day. I, I, I really could. I had in the world rights to, to, to say what I want. But I'm learning that what I do is what my kids are going to do. So when he starts to drive, I'm going to want him to obey all the laws that, the, that, that don't go against God, that the, 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 the government has for us. I want him to obey authority over him. Because when he obeys that, the more he obeys the authority over him here on earth, the more he'll obey the authority of his heavenly father. So, so I said, man, you're right. Man, I've been working so hard 
do my blinker. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to relearn to do. But what we do affects those around us. They are watching. When we go into sin and live there, you think, well, my sin doesn't affect anybody. You don't have any idea how many people are watching you and taking note. Okay, well, that's okay for me to do. That's okay for me to be. And because you choose to be in sin, you are dragging other people with you. Your sin doesn't just affect you. It affects many around you. Do not miss that, that truth. So a question, what's hidden in your tent? I've got good news for you to the believer in Jesus Christ. Your payment, your debt's been paid through Jesus Christ. You are a believer, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it says that, that your debt has been paid. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, in this text, the solution to the sin, the greatness of the hidden sin, the payment of sin, sin brings death, and that's what we see at the end of this text. But praise be to God for the good news through Jesus Christ that our sin is not paid with our death. Man, how, how could we live if we just begin to practice that truth and we would wake up going, God, thank you that you don't kill me for the choices that I make because they are so disobedient to you. And that's what, that's what a just God, you go, well, that's not a nice God. No, that is exactly a good and just God. A, a judge would, if you did a crime, he would sentence you to what, whatever's due for that crime. A, a good God a good judge will do that. A good God does the exact same thing. He is just. So the solution for sin is this. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, what we all earn, is death. But God made a way. Because we could not get to God on our own. We can't fix our sin with our works. We can't go apologize to everybody. And from now on, I'm going to live and never even have a bad thought. We just can't do it. But God sent His Son, Jesus, to live a life without sin, to die, to, to be placed on a cross. And you know that when He's placed on the cross, that our sin, the sin of, of all those who have faith in Him, are placed on G- Jesus. And the weight of the sin didn't kill Him. It's the wrath of God poured out on that sin, on the Son, the perfect sacrifice. That's what killed Him on the cross. For He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Man, that's the good news. That's the solution. We've seen the cycle of sin, the effects of sin. This is the solution for sin. And this is what it says that God does with these sins that are forgiven. It says, who is, who is a God like you? This is in, in Micah verse 7, 18, 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives transgression? of the remnant of his inheritance, who did not stay angry forever, but delighted, delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities or our sins into the depths of the sea. What does God do with your forgiven sins through Jesus Christ? Hur- hurls them to the depths of the sea. Psalm 103.12, As far as the east is from the west, as far has he removed the tr- tr- transgressions from us. That says, as far as the east is from the, the west, if you notice, the east never meets the west. The north will meet the south, but the east will never meet the west. 
That's how far he cast them away. Isaiah 43, 25, I am, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Praise be to God, we have a God that doesn't hold it against us. And one day we're going to have to give a, a I'm going to say I'm sorry for every sin in God because we're going to go there and be in judgment before him. And the son is going to say, ha, he's mine. He is saved by my blood. And God is going to welcome his ad- adopted with full rights as sons and daughters. If not for your own sake, if not for the sake of your church, if not for the sake of your family, confess and repent from the sin hidden in your tent today. And what is, what is, what is wrecking you? And part of you is saying, well, I can't tell anybody. And part of you is going, I've got to do something. An interesting study on smoke alarms. I'm going to wrap up with this, Nick. You can come on up. Smoke alarms past 15 years or 20 years. Y'all have heard of my smoke alarms. Beep, beep, beep. Right? Annoying. You want to throw your fist through through it, right? It's, it's just ours goes off when we're cooking bacon. I don't know about y'all, but, or the, 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 the popcorn kid puts it in for 50 minutes, not five. <laughs> it took months to get that smell out of the house. But it starts smoking up. And, and the smoke alarm goes off loud as I'll get out. They did a study and they found this out. Um, that 9 out of 10 kids do not wake up to a smoke alarm after 2 or 3 minutes. Kids age 5 to 14. Smoke alarm can be going off. They can even be taught about it that week. Hey, one day this week smoke alarm is going to go off and that's a sign for you to get out of bed and get safe because that means that there's a fire and we've got to get everybody safe. 9 out of 10 Kids, after three minutes, they might roll over and look at it, but then they roll back or look sort of where the sounds come from and they roll back over. But a lot of them don't even budge. And they say that within three minutes of when a smoke alarm goes off, that's about as much time as you have to get out of the house. That's a little bit scary, isn't it? But there's another thing they found out, that if a father or mother stands at the doorway of the room and they do not yell, but they speak to the child, Hey, Billy. Johnny, Shelly, get up. I need you to get up. That 90% of them get up within six to eight seconds. From the voice of a father or a mother. Not a loud voice, a calm voice. Alarms have been going off for sin all around us. And we've not been hearing it. And my greatest hope today is that you've not heard us me at all, but I want you to hear the voice of the Father speaking to you. Hey, get up. Wake up. There's trouble. You've got to wake up. Let's pray together.